He is the Lord, our God. Amen? Well, you know, I think it's, it's, it's a, an awesome Sunday because of the fact that we get to honor those to whom honor is due. And, and I just want to say to our graduates that we honor you for putting in the hard work and effort uh, that you guys have put into this. And that all of you were 4.0 students, I'm assuming, right? <laughs> so, no, but I know that you guys put in so much time and effort, and, and it's important for us. Uh, we, give all, we give God all the glory, amen? And the Bible says then we, we give honor to whom honor is due, and, uh, and so today we do honor our graduates for that. I do want to share one more opportunity just to, to give honor where honor is due. Uh, 19 years and, and 51 weeks and, and, uh, and four days ago, for those who are we're bad at math. That's three days short of 20 years. Um, my wife and I celebrated and the, uh, the making of a vow together before God and our friends and our family 20, 20 years ago this Wednesday. So I'm excited about that. Uh, but I want to say... <laughs> but, but I want to give honor where honor is due. And 20 years of sticking with me is not an easy task. <laughs> Thank you, Alan. Thank you, Alan. That's been two years that you've known me, so that's a little different. Uh, uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> you got to love that. But, you know, I, I will say this. When, when your spouse's ministry is more of a public ministry, uh, and I'm certain that both of the other pastors would affirm what I'm about to say, that our wives do a lot of work behind the scenes that we end up getting the credit for. Does that make sense? And so 20 years in marriage is one thing, but 20 years of having the same pastor, for one, right? So no matter where we go, see, I'm still her, her pastor. But in, in, in through all of that, hearing 20 years of whenever something goes well, I get the credit, and, and she doesn't get the credit that she deserves. And so the Bible says to give honor to whom honor is due. I'm sure that would extend into an application of giving honor to whom honor is overdue. And so I honor my wife today for the 20 years of marriage that she's But you're not graduating, just so you know. That doesn't mean, that doesn't mean after Wednesday you're free, right? You're still stuck with me. All right, we're, we're, we've been studying the book of Romans. So if you could turn to the, to the book of Romans uh, and look for chapter 14 is where we're at right now. We've been making sense of what matters most. And, and uh, for those who have been through the whole journey uh, in, in, in uh, the book of Romans, it's been quite a journey, hasn't it? We, we've, been walking, we've walked through the, the, the doctrine of sin and understood our own sinfulness before God, why he would be just to, to forgive us of our sins. And, and then fortunately, it didn't stop there, but we, we learned about our salvation. That was provided by what Jesus, by what Jesus Christ did on the cross and it was his, through his grace, and we accept him through faith, and we can't earn it or deserve it. And then that begins that process of sanctification where we become more and more like Jesus Christ, and we begin to reflect Christ-likeness in our lives um, as we become more and more like him, and people see less of us and more of him. And through that process, we can rest secure knowing that we are his children. We talked about the selection, and, and what we mean by that is is how God draws us to himself, but we must respond in faith uh, in order to receive salvation. And then what we're saved to, we've been studying for three or four weeks now, the doctrine of service and what we are called 
to do. And in one word, we could use the word love. We're, we're, we're called to have an agape love. It's a selfless love towards each other. And now we're looking at what that looks like inside the church. You know, the, the scripture says that, that the world will know that we're Christians by what? By our love. And in that context, it's they will see how we love each other. And they will see less of us and they'll see more of Christ. Isn't that what it's about? And, uh, and so the last two weeks, we've, we've been really unpacking the verse uh, in chapter 14, verse 1. Which is this, receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to disputes over doubtful things. So, in a nutshell, we, we learn that there are actions in life, there are, there are actions that we could do that are clearly wrong, there are actions that are clearly right. But there is this third category of what we call disputable issues, some things where, uh, where we might not always come down on the same, same side of every issue, and that's okay. But we've learned uh, three applications so far. The first one was that in this area of disputable issues, the number one thing that we have to do, application, does anyone remember what it is? Oh, I'm going to go back. I'm just going to re-preach the last couple messages. No, it's be, someone know it? Be convinced in your own mind. The first thing we have to do, we have to make sure, if it's a disputable matter, we have to make sure that we can participate in this and have a good relationship with God. If, if an activity, participating in any type of activity, is going to hinder that relationship that we have with God, then we ought not do it. Amen? And if you can't do it with a clear conscience, then we ought not do it. Period. And so we, that's what God has called us to be convinced in your own mind. But then we realize that we, all, we don't always come down on the same side of the issue. So the second uh, application was not to judge and not to despise. See, I, when we come down on, on a, a different side of an issue with someone, if we tend to have more uh, or, or less liberty, if we come down on the stricter side of an issue, our tendency is to judge someone else and say, if I can't do this, you can't do that either, right? It's human nature. But if you tend to come down on the side that's a little bit more lenient or a little more uh, uh, liberating, I guess you could say, and you come down this side, your tendency is to point back to the other side and say, I despise you because you're limiting me. Don't stop. Don't, don't limit my freedoms, right? And so we, we tend to have that, um, that type of discord between us by nature. And Paul says, don't do that. Don't judge. Don't despise. And then last week, we really hit the idea of don't become a stumbling block. Just to review what we, where we were last week, we asked the question, well, how does a person become a stumbling block? And we read in, in verse 15 of the chapter, it says, Yet if your brother is grieved because of your food, you are no longer walking in love. Do not destroy with your food the one for whom Christ died. Of course, using the illustrations of where some had come from a pagan background and there's certain foods they couldn't eat because they know it had been... Uh, it had been offered to, to false gods, and they came from that background, and it was difficult for them to eat it. You have people coming from the Jewish background. There were, there were foods that they were not allowed to eat that now they're allowed to eat, and they, they struggled with that too. And, and he's saying, it, it, go ahead. You have the freedom in yourself to do that, and you have no problem with God. But if it's going to destroy your brother, then that's not love. You're using your freedom. So the definition we came up with is uh, to become a stumbling block is, how does a person become a stumbling block? Well, he allows his freedom to damage his brother. He allows his freedom to damage his brother. And this is not love. Now, that doesn't close the book on the issue. This should strike, us, uh, strike up a few more questions. And so Paul goes a little deeper into this issue, and that's where we're picking up this week. 
in this week, we're, we're going to answer a couple of questions. Number one, well, when should I pursue my liberties? And when should I surrender them? When is it okay for me to say, I know that this is, a, this is the liberty I have because I know that in my relationship with God, this is not going to hurt me. We, I worked it out with God and I feel completely conscience-free I can participate in something. Can I pursue that? Or when should I surrender that for the sake of someone else? And that's what we're going to pick up this week. So let's start in uh, Romans 14, starting in verse 19. Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another. Let me just stop there for a moment. Uh, first of all, do you notice, before we even get into the details of what Paul said here, notice that Paul could have taken the, the, a negative approach, but instead he takes a very positive approach. He doesn't say, don't do the things, etc. He says, pursue the things. Pursue is a strong word, right? What does it mean? It literally means to go after or to chase or to indulge in. He's saying, go after these things. I, 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 I say this because a lot of times churches are known for their list of don'ts. Isn't that true? We're, we're oftentimes, in the world, we're known for our don'ts. Uh, we, we see that every day in life as we interact with people. Um, it's like, oh, you're, you guys don't, don't drink, or you guys don't smoke, or oh, you guys don't get Sundays off. That's what they think, right? And, and in all this list, I even remember when my, my parents signed me up for a uh, uh, soccer league. My dad forgot my birth date, so I was in the, I was in the, with the, the kids who were like three or four years older than me. But I had to say it because my dad's right here. <laughs> um, and, and I remember the, just, it was a city league, and so even the coach himself had a mouth, you know, well, we all have those, but you know what I mean, right? And, uh, and so he had no, no filter, and so he would say things, and then he would look over at me, and knowing that I was the Christian on the team, he was, oh, that, sorry that I said that around the pastor's kid, right? Uh, why? Because there was something in, there, in his mind that's just, you, you define Christians by the list of don'ts, and then Paul here makes it very clear that, that you can pursue things, you can in, in, indulge in some things with, with caution, with care, with, with some exceptions. Um, so I, I think it's important to, to know that he said that, or to notice that he says that. But here he defines specifically what kinds of things we should or shouldn't participate in. Um, so I'm going to, in the application, I'm going to word this in a positive way as well. I'm going to per, to put it in the term: we may pursue our liberties unless dot dot dot. And we find three things, two of them right in this verse that we just read, and one more in the next verse. But look at the first one. Therefore, let us pursue what the things which make for peace. The things which make for peace. So yes, we can pursue in our liberties, but the number one, we may pursue our liberties unless it disrupts the peace. Now there's two senses of the word peace. There's one, uh, in one sense, the word peace means calm, right? Where things are, are calm. There's another sense in, in, uh, in which we use the word peace, and it's the opposite of war. Right? And so they're related to each other, but, but that's the, the sense that he's getting here. It's, it's, it's when... You, you should have peace, but now, in place of peace, what do you have? You have the opposite of peace. You have, you have war. What that means is someone who should be an ally has become an enemy. Right. Is that what God wants for us in the church? To become enemies over disputable matters? Absolutely not. Um, God doesn't want us to do that. If, if, if something that is a liberty to me, and I know I can do this between me and God, 
but it is going to turn somebody that's supposed to be my ally into my enemy. Should I pursue that? I, don't, I see a lot of blank faces. Should I pursue that? No, of course not. Uh, we shouldn't do that. But by nature, sometimes we feel like we just have to keep tightening the, the, uh, our, our limits until we get to the point where we have to separate from everybody else except ourselves. We have this desire to separate, and, and, and God has called us to a unity with limits. There are things that should separate. But um, it reminds me of a joke that we used to tell in, in seminary. I'll apologize right now because if you haven't been to seminary, it's really not that funny. But... Uh, but it's about the, the, these two guys are walking across a bridge, and, and they happen to be coming in opposite ways. And, and one guy is carrying his Bible, and he looks over and notices that the other guy is carrying a Bible. And so he says, hey, I see you're carrying a Bible. Are, are you a Christian? And uh, the man says, why, yes. Yes, I am. But I'm a Baptist. Are you a Baptist? And so the man said, well, actually, yes. Yes, I am Baptist. But what kind of Baptist are you? I mean, you're not one of those free will guys out there, are you, right? You're not a free will Baptist. And, and he said, no, no, actually, I'm a Reformed Baptist. You know, I've been Reformed. He says, how about you? Have you been Reformed? He says, yeah, actually, I've been Reformed. I'm a Reformed Baptist as well. He says, well, but then if you're a Reformed Baptist, you must be a five-point Calvinist, right? And some people, I'm, I've already lost you, right? <laughs> I can see. It's like everyone's following me for a little bit. I'm, by now, I'm, I've lost some of you, but that's okay. Just follow. Uh, and, um, and he says, well, well, yes, yes, I'm a five-point Calvinist. Of course I am. Uh, but are you a super-lapsarian or a sub-lapsarian? And he says, well, I'm a super-lapsarian. And so at that moment, he pushes him off the bridge and says, I'm a sub-lapsarian. <laughs> you get the idea. The idea is sometimes we will look for things to divide for over. You know? And, and you know, there are, there are things that we should divide over, and, when, and there are things that Scripture says you have to believe this or, or your faith is in vain, right? There are all sorts of things by which we have to divide, but oftentimes we, t- we choose to separate ourselves and divide over the things that are just a little too... Is piddly a word? Piddly? I'll use piddly. All right? And uh, it is? All right, so I see. Okay, good. And we, we argue over those things, and we divide over those things, when the spirit ought to be for unity. Does that make sense? Yes, sometimes we have to draw a line and say, uh, say in fact, the Bible is very clear in 1 Corinthians 5 that there's times where we have to say to a brother, we're going to treat you like not even a believer, right? There are times where we have to make those strong lines of separation, but those are sad days, right? Our zeal shouldn't be for that. Our zeal should be to bring ourselves together. Does that make sense? And, and to find that balance there and... Um, and, and so if something that we participate in is going to, to pit an ally against me as if he were an enemy, then somewhere we've sinned. Does that make sense? Somewhere we are allowing our freedom to damage our brother. Or somewhere we're judging our brother because of his freedom. Or maybe a little bit of both. And so, so we may pursue our liberties, number one, unless it disrupts the peace. The second one we find right in the same verse. Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and what? Things, which may, which one may, things by which one may edify another. Edify means to build up, right? Uh, that's why in, in Spanish we use it all the time, to, ed- to edify something or to build something up. Edificar is the verb. The building is called 
edificio, right? It's, it's what the idea that you're constructing something, you're building something. Um, it's the exact opposite of tearing down. The, the idea here that we may pursue our liberties unless it disrupts a peace and unless it tears a person down. Unless it tears a person down. See, the goal for every believer, as we've talked about in the book of Romans, is to become more like Jesus Christ. And if my liberty is going to slow someone down or, or cause them to not look more like Jesus Christ, then I need to bend and help, for that, help that person. Does that make sense? Then indulging in my liberty is actually going to cause, cause harm. The third thing that we find comes in the next verse, in, uh, in verse 20. Where Paul goes on to say, do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. He's talking about destroying the work of God. So it brings me to the, to the third thing. We may pursue our liberties unless it contradicts what God is doing. See, God is doing a work in all of our lives. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, He is working in you. Amen? Uh, he, is, he, is, he is making you become more and more like Him. He's taking you from weak, making you strong. He's taking you from, from evil. He's, he's making you more righteous. He's, he's, he's in, you're in that process somewhere. And if God is working in you in that process, and then you, through your liberty, slow that down in the life of another person. And you do something that's going to cause that person, it's going to slow them down in their walk with God. Then is that a liberty in which you should indulge in or pursue or go after? No. And, and so this is what he's, uh, what he's, he's getting at. Uh, and so you can imagine if a person who, who gets saved, maybe has a history in some type of sin... Uh, take, say a man who has a history in pornography and God, God takes him out of where he is and he saves him and we would all rejoice in that, right? but then would you dress in a way that might cause him to for his mind to go back to the things that he's coming out of? do you, do you see what I'm saying? Um, where you might dress in a way that would be perfectly fine between you and God but you have to keep in mind where the other person is coming from and, and I can say, we can say this about any sin in the world because we all come from different sins. But whatever sin it might be, would we, would we push the line for somebody so that they might fall back into temptation? Say, no, we love our brothers. We accept them where, where they are at. And there's a principle behind this that, that Paul gets into a little deeper than he did last week. And it's in the second half of verse 20. It says, all things indeed are pure. But it is evil for the man who eats with offense. Remember what we, we learned, I think it was last week, when Paul said that nothing is unclean in itself. And this is the flip side of the same point. He's saying all things are pure. I say, wait a minute, Pastor. There's a lot of impure things out there, right? Well, there are. But it's not because of the things. It's because of us, right? Uh, things aren't pure. Uh, just to remind us what we, what we learned from, from last week, a butcher's knife is not evil, right? But using it to kill somebody would be evil, right? If you have hatred in your heart, we can turn it into, it, be, it can become uh, a, a weapon. Marijuana is not evil. Now, again, don't fire me if you were here last week. But abusing a substance so that you can have temporary gain and not taking care of the body, which is the temple of the Holy Spirit that he gave to you, that's evil, isn't it? 
you know, a skimpy outfit is, isn't evil, but trying to attack, uh, attract men via their sexual appetite, that is evil. Uh, the internet is not evil, but you can watch a lot of evil things on there, right? And so we have to, to step out of the, the realm of thinking that just things are evil, but realize that things are evil because we're evil. In fact, um, there was a monk. Uh, his name was, was Simeon Stylides. And, and uh, he's oftentimes known as the monk on a pole. And uh, the reason for, for that is he, he created this pillar and he believed this idea that, that things were evil. So how do you escape things? How do you become really pure as a monk? He, he, he was a, um, um, an ascetic orthodox monk. Well, you separate yourself from that. And so he created this small pillar and with a rope, the other monks would send up food when he needed it. And, and I won't go into what he had to send down or nothing, but you get the idea. He's living on this pole with nothing, no entertainment, nothing. Why? Because his goal was if he could separate himself from the world, separate himself from things, then what would happen? He would be super holy, right? That's, you can see how it would follow. Of course, he, I, I don't know exactly. There's some different views on how, how much time exactly he spent up there. But when he came down, the other monks were excited because they thought this is going to be an opportunity to learn from the, the new wisest man in the world because he's, he's got to be wise to spend so much time away from everything and no influence of anything evil. And, and, uh, and they asked him what he learned. And he said, uh, he said, I really only learned one thing. I learned that I took my sin nature with me to the top of that pillar. Why? Because sin is in us. Right? We don't need the things to sin. Unfortunately, his followers didn't, didn't understand that. They didn't accept that truth. In fact, to this day, they still continue those practices. This, this is... Um, uh, a place in Georgia, not, not the state Georgia, right? the, uh, the country of Georgia, uh, where Maxime, if I'm pronouncing it right, um, it dwells right now, who is also an ascetic Orthodox monk. Uh, and and they, he has other uh, people of the same, the same faith. They will send up uh, food to him and, uh, through a, a system of, of pulleys and so on, and, and he'll get it at the top of that cliff and, uh, of course, he's not, he's not as spiritual because he has a building in case it rains, right? Um, but the idea is that he's so separated from, from the world that he, he would be holy. And as, as I was reading the articles, I thought, he sure didn't get rid of pride. He is really proud of his humility, right? Um, and I think he took his sin nature right up there with him. Why is that? It's because the things aren't evil in themselves. We are evil, Right? And so things become evil to us uh, because, uh, because we're impure. And so to the impure, all things, to the pure, the, um, to, uh, Titus said, to the, or, or Paul said to Titus, the, to the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are corrupt, they become corrupt. And guess what? We are all corrupt in one way or another. So things become evil for us. So we are all impure in some ways. Um, and so for all of us, there are things that theoretically we could do if we were holier than we are we shouldn't do. And if we don't recognize that, then we're going to engage in activities that are going to bring us down, right? And so that's, that's this concept here that all things are pure, but, but to, to those who would eat or drink or participate in any of these things with offense to them, it is, it is evil. It is sin for us. And we need to keep this principle in mind for ourselves and for other people. Here's what I mean by that. 
we need to keep this principle in mind for ourselves because that's why we need to be convinced in our own mind. There are activities that, that I think we just think, oh, well, I, I like to do this activity, so I'm going to do it. No, be convinced in your own mind. Make sure that this is something that you can do with God and still look him face to face, right? In this, in, I mean that in the sense of relationally. We, we, we can look at him with a clear conscience and know that I have a good relationship with my father. This is not... So we have to keep that in mind for ourselves, but then we also have to keep that in mind for other people to say they might not be where we're at. And so we have to take in where they are in their, rec- in their, in their faith uh, journey with God. Where are they? And we have to keep them in mind as well. So not only should we be convinced in our own minds, we have to, have to make sure that we don't judge, we don't despise, and we don't become a stumbling block because this applies to them too. Does that, does that make sense? And, uh, and that's, what he's, that's what he's getting at here. Now look at what he goes on to say then in, in, in verse 21. Kind of sums it all up. He says, It is good neither to eat meat, nor drink wine, nor do anything by which your brother stumbles, or is offended, or is made weak. And here he walks through the same three things, but in, in, uh, in, in different terms. And so, hey, if it's going to cause your brother to stumble... And it dis- disrupts the peace. If he's going to be offended or it tears him down or, or made weak, if it undoes the work of God in his life that's strengthening him, then we ought not do it. Does that make sense? We ought not do it. Well, then let me ask a question then. Shouldn't I just avoid doing everything in the, in the disputable matters, right? Shouldn't I just avoid doing everything all the time? I mean, I... You, know, you could offend somebody with just about everything you do, right? And that's, the, and, and that's the question. And so Paul wants to counter that and make sure we don't take this doctrine too far uh, because that would be unhealthy for us as well. He, he takes it to a, 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 a different level. Look at what he says in verse 22. We read, Do you have faith? Have it to yourself before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. Now what does he mean here? Do you have faith? He's not talking about salvation here. He's talking about brothers in Christ. What, what do you have faith? Well, faith is the result of being convinced in your own mind. And you've studied it out. You've, you've searched your, your soul. You've looked at it and you say, you know what? I believe that this is right. I can do this in good faith. Do you have faith? What does it say? Have it. Do it. Engage in it. To yourself. Before God. Uh, do it. But to yourself before God. You see, it's okay to indulge in our freedoms before God. But when other people enter the picture, there are some new things we have to think through. Does that make sense? Uh, so it's okay to indulge in some of those freedoms before God. But in front of other people, uh, we have to think that through. Uh, um, there's a balance here. On one hand, we don't want to hide our freedoms from everybody. In fact, if we hide our freedoms, what do we call that? Hypocrisy. Right? If, you, if you act like you, you, you live one way and, then, and you participate in a bunch of things, that are different, that's called hypocrisy. We don't want to hide our freedoms, but at the same time, we don't want to pressure others to participate in something that they cannot do in good faith with a clear conscience. And so how do we find this, this balance? I think this verse answers that. You know, I remember uh, a man in college uh, when I went there, 
And, uh, and back, this might sound weird to some, or it might, some of you who are a little older like me you might remember this really well, but one of the big issues back in that day was the issue of Christian contemporary music, especially Christian rock, right? Remember when that was a controversial issue? Am I the only one who remembers back that far? Raise your hand if you remember when that was, okay, all right, so you're with me. Uh, so that was a controversial issue, and I remember one man, he was a godly man, his name was Brent, and, uh, and he was a senior, I believe, when I was a, a, a junior, a guy in my dorm. And, and so he, he loved to listen to uh, what was popular at the time, like uh, Petra. Some of you might remember Petra or, or White Heart. Or, they, were, they were considered some of the more, um, how do you put it, uh, it, was, it was a controversial issue back then. But he was a godly man. But every time he got into his car with a group of people, you know what he would do? He'd say, does anyone have, does anyone have a problem with... Or does anyone have a problem with white? Or does anyone have a problem with? And sometimes there were people that would enter the car and they'd say, "Well, actually, I kind of do." Oh, no problem. And he would put on something else. Usually, Steve Green. He had a Steve Green tape that he, <laughs> that, he that he kept for those cases, right? And I love Steve Green too. But you know, you know, I appreciate that that attitude. Don't you? It's it's he wasn't hiding his freedom. He wasn't saying, uh, you know, like hiding those tapes and wait until no one looks. And then, you know, he, he wasn't hiding his freedom. But yet, he was also making sure that, that no one who was struggling with that felt any pressure to conform or to listen to something to, to that they could not do with a clear conscience. That's godly man. He's still in ministry to this day. I keep up with him on Facebook. He's a godly man. And, uh, and so... We, we don't want to hide our freedoms, but we also don't want to pressure others to participate. And, you know, I see that sometimes in Christian circles where the person who has more freedom starts pestering the person who doesn't feel free. I'm telling you that's wrong, isn't it? That's wrong. Or you see the person who doesn't have as much freedom and they're judging the person. How dare you listen to that? And, and they get into arguments over that. That's, the, that's not the way it, it's supposed to be. I'm going to use an illustration that I hope isn't too controversial. Is that okay? So... Here's, here's an illustration. Trick-or-treating on Halloween. Okay? For those of you who have kids. I know. You, they say you, this is, that's usually your second to last Sunday when you, when you mention <laughs> trick-or-treat on Halloween. So, hopefully, I'll be here two weeks. Okay? All right. But, my point is, like Paul's, Paul had gave two very controversial issues. He never answered either of them in, in Romans 14 because that's not the point point is, how do we treat each other during that time? So whether you agree with where I'm at, I, it doesn't really matter. So that's my preface, okay? Uh, and I'm going to even try not to share where I'm at. But here's basically been, and I'm really summarizing this, all right? This is, is, this is not exactly how it all goes, but there are two basic camps. Uh, one, one camp says uh, that, that trick-or-treating trick comes on Halloween. Halloween is a, it has pagan roots which I don't think anyone argues whether or not the roots of, of, of Halloween are pagan, right? And, the, and, and because of that, Christians should not participate in anything pagan. Make sense? Okay, so you're with me. Then there are others, and, and, and I'm oversimplifying that, but that's, that's one side of it. And there are various degrees. You have some who say basically, you know, go to bed October 30th and wake up November 1st, right? If you, you know, are awake on the 31st, then you, you're saying, you know, to those who say, well, just don't participate in Halloween activity. 
all sorts of things, but that's a simplification. On the other side, you've got people who would say, well, I don't participate in all that stuff. I just let my kid dress up as Superman or whatever, or VeggieTales or whatever. So, yes, there were some roots for it, but we don't participate in those things, right? Uh, for us, it's just a chance to get to know our neighbors and, and, uh, and get free candy and reverse those two in the order of priority, right? So get the candy first and then you get to know your neighbors. But, and, and they argue over that. Now, the, my point today is not to say if you believe one way or the other that you're right or wrong. That's not my point, okay? But does this reflect somewhat accurately the argument that's gone on through the ages? Uh, and so you look at that. And so you've got these two different sides. Um, here's an application. If you can participate in, in it with a clear conscience, what would this tell us that that person should do? participate, but what if they start inviting people who can't participate? Do you, do you judge those people? Do you, do you disrespect those people? No, in fact, do you pester those people? Do you pressure those people saying, come on, it's just a holiday? You're, or do you look at them and respect them saying, wow, you have a conviction and you're sticking up for that? Praise the Lord for that. God forbid that I invite you to come and Participate with me in something like that. Or how about the flip side now? What if, if you say, you know what, Pastor Dave, I'm on side. I don't think it's right. I don't think it's right at all. At all. And, I, and, and, and so to do anything that would slightly represent Halloween on, on, the, on October 31st, we should not participate in. Uh, you know, so what about, about you? How do you look at the person who says, for me, where I'm at in my journey, I can do this. Do you judge that person? Or do we allow enough freedom for us to grow and allow the Holy Spirit to do his job. How many of us would like to have the Holy Spirit's job? Sometimes. I, 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 you're all lying right now because I know we all love to be the Holy Spirit sometimes, don't we? But we don't know what the Holy Spirit's doing. Let him work. Let the Holy Spirit work in his timing. And maybe some, and I, maybe some people will come around on some of those issues. There were issues as a kid I didn't agree with my parents, and I can say that with them right here. I didn't agree with them. And a lot of those issues, I, I still wouldn't agree with where they are. Maybe they came around on some of those. I don't know. But there are a lot of issues that I've learned that, that now I'm a little older and I say, wow, they were right. There was some wisdom in some of those rules. Anyone else experience that? And so, yeah, give them time. Give each other some time. Give each other some freedom here. And hopefully I'll still be here in two weeks right? uh, with this issue. But, you know, there are issues like that where there are going to be people in the same church and we're growing. Some are weak, some are strong. We're in different points of the faith and we have to give each other some room to interpret things and, and work, work out our own growth. Does that make sense? Uh, and, and I hope I used an okay illustration with that one. But, but that's what it boils down to. You see, it, it, it's good to have this balance. It is good because if we become hypocrites, then, then we, and everyone just only participates in the strictest form of the strictest person of the weakest person in the church, what happens to our reputation in the community? We become known as, as Christians become known as people with a list of don'ts. But instead, uh, we, if we flex for each other and we, we give each other grace, uh, Ray Stedman, he wrote a book called for, From Guilt to Glory. It's actually a commentary on the book of, of Romans and and I've been reading that in, in conjunction with my own studies as well and, and some, other, uh, some other commentaries as well. But he wrote this 
in response to the same passage that we're talking about today. He said, it is, it is a good thing for people to indulge their liberties. Such action raises question in the minds of those who are not free, especially when they see this indulgence linked with a clear demonstration of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit, which we talked about last week. It makes them think when they see a godly person whom they admire and respect indulging freely in something they have never been able to indulge in, yet they cannot deny he is godly. It is good for them to be forced to rethink their prejudices. Isn't that true? And so I love the balance that Paul gives us that we ought not participate if it's going to cause someone else to participate in something that they can't do with a clear conscience. But we also don't have to hide every liberty that we have from each other either. There's, in other words, it's okay to disagree to disagree on some of those, those issues. Again, remember, we're not talking about the, the clearly right issues. We're not talking about the clearly wrong issues. We're talking about disputable matters. Does that, does that reflect what love is supposed to look like in the church? Absolutely. That's what it's about. So, so no, we don't have to be as strict as the most prejudiced person in every congregation, but we do have to be careful how we indulge. To sum this up, I would say, uh, uh, so before we indulge in a freedom, here's three things. Before indulging in a liberty, number one, make sure you can do it in faith. Make sure that you can do it in faith. If you can't do it, if you can't do it with a clear conscience between you and God, then the Bible says you ought not do it. Because he who participates without faith, to him it is sin. It is sin for him who participates with offense. Number two, don't do it in front of the other person. If there's a liberty that you can participate in, and you know that someone else is, is not at liberty to do that, then don't participate in front of the other person. Right? So if, if you have a brother who's, who's struggling with self-control, don't invite him to Krispy Kreme. Right? right? If you have a person who, who's, who's, who's struggling with... With, with lust, don't take them to the beach. Except in Michigan, it's cold enough, everyone's well-dressed, right? <laughs> don't take them to a warm beach, right? Why? Why? You have to, to take into consideration where people are at. And there might be things that you can participate in that someone else should not. And there are things that you should not participate in that, the, that they should not. And so you have to take the, take the other person into consideration. And so, so don't do it in, in, in front of the other person. That's where my, my friend Brent... Uh, would say, hey, I'm going to listen to Steve Green if that's going to help the, my brothers in the car. And, and that's where he was at. But he also wasn't a hypocrite, and he would listen to, he, he let it be known what he listened to um, when he was before, before God. Number three, uh, don't pressure the other person to participate. Don't pressure the other person to participate. Um, because when we do, we're, we're causing our brother to sin. Because if he can't do it in faith, it is sin. So, why shouldn't we pressure someone into, into participating into something if we know it's okay? Because it might be okay for us. It might not be okay for them. Look what he says in verse 23. And this is the last verse of the chapter. Kind of sums up this, this issue here. It says, but he who doubts, what does that mean? You don't have faith. You can't participate with a clear conscience before God. He who doubts is condemned if he eats. You might not be condemned for eating. He might be condemned for eating. Now, condemned here doesn't mean loss of salvation. We're not, we, remember, we already studied security. You don't lose your salvation over it. But there's judgment sometimes. It, you, you're, you're judged by God as sinning if you can't do it without doubting. So, But he who doubts is condemned if he eats because he does not eat from faith. 
For whatever is not from faith is what? Sin. If we can't do it in faith, then it is sin. So the answer is because of, of the doubter, it is sin. Anything we do that we cannot do in good faith is sin. To close with an illustration of this entire thing, I would say, I would say this. Uh, this is a swinging bridge. Anyone ever walk across a swinging bridge? When I went to Africa uh, on a missions trip, I went with a buddy of mine, and we, we asked uh, a guy, we, we paid a guy for his day. We said, just take us where you don't take the missionaries. That was our one. Just take us. We love the outdoors. We love the, the fun stuff, you know? And I said, take us where you don't take missionaries. Take us into a, give us a real jungle experience. And uh, uh, so this, this guy, his name is Kofi, because uh, he's born on a Friday. So everybody's name is named the day after their week. And so he takes us. But we also had another person in the party who said, hey, can I go with you guys? And we're like, okay, you know, sure. Yeah, you can come join us. And so John and I, uh, we, we had done a lot of crazy things together. We rocked rock climb together and caving together and all sorts of stuff. And then there, then there was a guy named Bob uh, who was a little bit older than us, a little bit bigger guy. Uh, my parents probably know who I'm talking about. And he was a soccer coach. And, and um, so we are, we're going through, and we came to a, across a bridge kind of like this, except for it wasn't steel cables, it was rope, and there may have been a few planks missing, you know. And, uh, and so, and it, and it was about that high off of the ground, but it and, uh, and so we were walking along, and we come across this bridge, and we, honestly, we didn't even grab the, the rails. John and I just kind of went, whoop, you know, and we walked across, and, and uh, we get to the other side, and all of a sudden, Bob's not there. Right? Well, where's Bob? Well, Bob's, Bob's over there. And Bob was, you know, he was maybe two steps into the, into the bridge. He had, he had taken a couple of steps, and here he was, kind of like this, grabbing, I mean, he had white knuckle, grabbing the, the, the rope, and, he, and he's like, trying to take a step and he'd take one step and then he'd put his weight over top and, and then he's balancing and you know and he didn't have great balance I would say and, and, and so then he's taking another step and he's just going really slowly and we wanted to go see the, this huge 900 foot waterfall that, that Kofi was going to take us to see and, and, uh, and, and there was Bob kind of slowing us down right and so my, the first thing I did is thought, well, I'm going to just go over there and kind of help walk him through it so what did, what did I do I start walking towards him, like this. And, and now he's not holding like this, he's holding like this. You know, he's, he's, I mean, he's getting his center of gravity as low as he can go. And if you know Bob, that's kind of a funny sight. And, uh, and, uh, and so why? Because me engaging in my freedom to walk quite quickly, because of where I was in my experience with outdoor stuff and ropes and heights and so on, um, I was able to walk across there. Bob... He's, he had probably never been rock climbing, I, you know. It, I mean, just being up here would probably scare him, right? And he, for him, this is a real test of faith. This was a real moment of growth for him to be able to do something like that. And here, my engaging in my freedom actually slowed him down even more. In fact, it halted his progress. He was able to go slowly. So we had to change the way, the way we did it. And we, and we stopped and, and, hey, Bob, don't, don't look at your feet. Man, look, 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 look straight at me. Your feet know where to go. You know, come on, just follow me, right? And, and as he's looking at me and I'm taking slow steps back, slow steps back so that the bridge isn't... And, and even as he'd go one way, I'd try to, to lean the other way without him noticing just to keep the bridge stable. Long story short, or long story short, <laughs> he crossed the bridge. 
right? He crosses the bridge, he gets to the other side, and we continue our way, and he got to participate in a really cool memory of seeing this awesome, you know, waterfall that, that even the missionaries hadn't seen, right? I know that because some of the people we passed were looking at us like, what, what happened to your skin? You know, and, and, and it, was, it was a really cool experience. Bob got to participate in that. But the only way he was able to do that was for John and I to slow down, go at his pace, bring him along. That's the heart of Romans 14. We should love our brothers enough that we, that we, we bend for each other. We slow down for each other. We give up our own liberties. Just because we're able to do something and be, feel perfectly safe doesn't mean that everyone else can do that. And, and, uh, and so when you look at it all together, yeah, we've got, we've got things that we shouldn't do and things that we should do. But in these areas of disputable issues, we need to first be convinced in our own mind. That would be like me walking across there without, uh, without knowing that it's safe. Or even you know, walking across a bridge that, that isn't going to hold up. But, but no, we're convinced in our own minds. We don't judge the person. We don't despise the other person. You know, and we don't despise him saying, man, you're slowing me down. And he doesn't judge me by saying, you're, you're, you're foolish for walking across there so fast. No, we, we work with each other. And you don't become a stumbling block. Instead, you go down to their level. And uh, what does that mean to be a stumbling block? That's what we talked about today. Uh, we have to ask questions like, well, will this disrupt the peace? And when I walked across that bridge, it disrupted the peace. Right? When I walked fast to go back to him, it disrupts the peace. We ought not do that. Will it, will it tear somebody down or will it build them up? And will it contradict the work that God is doing in their life? And I know this is just a silly illustration. And, and yeah, seeing, seeing a, a, a cool waterfall is just a, a nice experience. But it's, that, it's true in, the, in our spiritual walk, too. That we've got to slow down for each other. Take each other's journey into account before we go using all of our freedoms. Abusing all of our freedoms. What about you? The, the three, three simple questions I'm going to ask. Number one, have you wrongly been judging others because they've experienced more liberty than you in disputable matters? Have you maybe written people off in your mind or tagged them as liberal or not genuine or whatever because of disputable issues? Number two, have you wrongly despised others because they were stricter than you? in some of these things. Slowing you down. And number three, do you respect others? Maybe I shouldn't even use word, maybe I should use word love there. Do you love others enough to disagree with them on disputable matters without pressuring them to think and act like you? Imagine if we had just forced Bob to walk like we did. He probably would have ended up in the bottom of that ravine. Right? Do you love each other enough? to disagree, let people grow from where they're at and continue in their own journey to the Lord. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes for just a moment. And first, I just want to say, there might be someone that's here today that would say, Pastor Dave, if I'm honest, I don't understand this kind of love. It's, it's beyond me. And I don't know for sure if I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. If you don't know for sure, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that if you were to die today, that you would spend eternity with God in heaven, 
and that your sins are forgiven because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. If that's you today, would you just raise your hand right now? I'm not going to embarrass you, but if that's you, if, if you don't know for sure that, that if you were to die today, you would spend eternity in heaven, would you just raise your hand right now? Because I want to give an opportunity for you. And if there's anyone in here that, that uh, would feel that way, I'm available. You can come talk to me after the service or even uh, when we give the, the invitation for the rest. If, if you would want to go to the back, we have some, some men or women have a little lanyard that says, Ask Me. Just go to them and they can show you from God's word how you can know for sure that you have eternal life. And I want to make that invitation to you as well. Now for those of you who know that you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want you to just take a few moments give us a, a, just a moment of silence even. And I want you to ask your questions. Ask this question. Do I love my brothers that are here? Do I judge them? Do I despise them? Or do I cause any of them to stumble with my freedoms? Do I love my brothers here? And if the Lord lays it on your heart, that you need to increase your love in one of these ways or another. That today is the day you make that commitment to the Lord. Lord, I'm not going to judge my brothers in disputable issues. I'm not going to despise them, and I'm not going to let them stumble because of me. Lord, don't let me be that stumbling block. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond. Let's just take a moment in silence and ask those questions before the Lord. And then I'll close in prayer, and we'll have our invitation. sacrifice that Jesus made for us on the cross. And all you're asking from us is that we sacrifice some of our freedoms for our brothers and sisters. Lord, I pray that we would understand the spirit of Romans 14. We would receive those who are weaker than us and look up to those who are stronger than us and learn from them. That we would live in real unity, I pray. Lord, you say in your word that the world will know we're Christians by our love. I pray that your love would be so reflected in our relationships that the world would point to us and say, that's Jesus Christ. May they not see us, but may they see you in us. I pray this in Christ's name.